Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If anyone wishes to save his life, he will lose it. But whoever wishes to lose his life for my name's sake will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose himself? There is clearly a cost to being a follower of Christ. Some consider these verses of like Luke 9, 23 through 25 to be uh, the cost of discipleship, and surely that would be accurate. This particular passage we just heard comes right after Jesus had spoken to his disciples and issued to them a compelling message about his death and resurrection, that he would be crucified and he would be risen from the dead. So it appears now in Luke 9.23 that a few more hearers have been added to that group of disciples, perhaps Jews and Gentiles, some seekers, some seriously considering following Jesus at that time. So they were there listening, and Jesus reminds them uh, of a decision they would need to make if they need to follow him. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me. And and then he makes it clear that there's a cost to being a follower of Christ. And we understand this passage alongside of other Holy Scripture that says to us, this assumes a life of faith. This assumes a life filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. But it becomes clear from this that Jesus is calling people to make a decision about their life, to lose their earthly temporal life, to receive a life that's eternal and abundant, a life lived for Christ as apart from a life lived for the indulgences and attachments of a temporal world. So Jesus is presenting for us the way of life for a true follower, a true disciple of Christ. Uh, Many years ago, a man who had a tremendous influence in my life taught me that a disciple was an obedient follower and learner of Christ. So here Jesus is challenging his hearers, some of them to join his disciples and walk with him, some of them to follow him all uh, until their death. Jesus had already said, or we could see he in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and I am a life. He calls us to a life, not simply a work. So he comes and he says, if anyone will follow me. So Jesus is setting the terms for what it means to be a disciple. We do, we do not follow Jesus on our own terms. If we follow Jesus, we follow him solely on his terms. This particular verse, Luke 9, 23, has uh, three imperatives, three commands uh, for us. Here they are. Deny oneself, take up your cross daily, and follow Christ. So while there is surely a cost that we are going to look at briefly in these verses, there is much more to be gained in being a follower of Christ than what we lose. We receive the gift of eternal life. We receive an abundant life. We receive forgiveness, redemption, joy, purpose, a spiritual bond with followers all over the world. 
But most of all, we receive a vibrant, genuine, real, eternal relationship with the Lord of all creation that has a value far beyond anything we can measure. So there is far more to gain than there is to lose. But Jesus would not have issued this clear calling if there was not a temptation on, on behalf of some of us to make the wrong decision. And so he wants them to know ahead of time not to be living for the attachments of this world, even the addictions of this world. They are strong, but Jesus issues a compelling call to us to follow him. He had just explained what his mission was to the cross, and he had spoken to his disciples. And so now he wants to make clear to everyone listening to him just what the follower of Christ must, um, must adhere to and obey. There's a movie some years ago where there was a military lawyer. I like lawyer movies. There was a military lawyer, and he is questioning a superior officer on the stand. And this particular superior officer is what we would call in the courtroom a hostile witness. So he asked him a question, and then he goes back to him and he said, <clears throat> do you understand what my question to you was? The senior officer, the hostile witness on the stand looked to him and he said, he said, is that clear what I've asked you? He said, crystal. <laughs> Jesus is making it crystal clear for us just what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it will cost to follow him and have him as a way of life. And there are three particular costs to use, one with each of the commands. First is deny yourself. That's a personal cost. So this particular form and way the use is used here only in the New Testament, but it's truly a command, but it's a command to act upon our own desires and our own will. It's a, it's a command to exercise faith. It's a command uh, I think most of us would understand almost innately what deny ourselves means, not to live a self-indulgent, self-centered life where all of our energy is upon ourselves and cannot be exercised towards Christ and service of others. Although some would say that denying ourselves is giving up certain pursuits or activities or things or time commitments, and it certainly could include that. This is a decision clearly to live our life completely for Jesus. Paul said this, I've been crucified with Christ, and no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. So this is a decision to deny ourselves, to surrender our lives to Christ. It is a conscious, willing decision, much more than a feeling. It's a sense to say to God, my independent life is over, God. Now I live dependent on you and dependent on you completely. In a, in a genuine way, it is saying uh, yes to God's will and not insisting on our own will. Beginning a life where we make new decisions dependent on God. 1 John 2:17 says and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever it's a forever decision Galatians 5:24 says crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires so we have the holy spirit at work in us transforming us 
building the truth and the way of Christ into our life. And as we do, the attachments, the addictions of this world need to be peeled away from us. We are, in a sense, putting to death, sometimes one at a time, desires and sins that simply have no place in our lives if we have been united with Christ and we are following him. Jesus denied himself. You remember it well when he prayed in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done to God the Father. Eric Liddell was an Olympic athlete in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. He was a devout Scottish believer and uh, his story is portrayed in a movie called Chariots of Fire. And as the, he is portrayed in that movie, he had a deep conviction and belief about Sunday being a day set apart to serve God and to worship him. He had trained, uh, he was a great athlete and a great runner. He had trained for the Olympics in 1924. His event was a 100-meter sprint and he did not know, as the Olympic Committee had changed some of the trials to be able to enter that event, that they had set the trial for that event on Sunday. And so he paced a personal decision. He talked to his committee from his country, and he said, I cannot run on Sunday. They were faced with the resolve of this young man, this brilliant uh, runner, and he, they, they offered him another event on another day. While he had trained for, uh, arduously for the 100-meter sprint, they offered him another event, and he did. He did not run on Sunday, but he ran another event, and he won an Olympic medal. He had made a personal decision long before that event that my long life belongs to Christ, period. The other decisions were a little bit easier after that. He became a missionary and he died in a Japanese prison camp proclaiming the gospel, giving his life to serve others and even his captors on February 21st, 1945. There was and is a personal cost to being a follower of Christ. But the second imperative in this verse makes it clear that there's a public cost Take up your cross. Here, Luke adds to his account the word daily, which means it signifies, a, uh, the cross signifies here a life surrendered to Christ. And while some have ended up being uh, put to death by way of crucifixion and martyrdom, most of us will not. So what does it mean? To these hearers, the cross was attributed and, and was a place of execution. It was, uh, for us, we might say, a symbol of death to ourself. It's a clear calling, and it is a public cost. At that time, those hearers would have envisioned the, a person, this before the, the crucifixion of Christ, this uh, practice of public uh, humiliation before God, condemned to death. Someone carrying the cross to their place of execution was, in essence, already dead. So we ask ourselves what that means for us. It means in a great way to, be die, to die to worldliness, to the masters of this world, um, as taking up our cross. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was, is a great author and uh, example for us in the area of discipleship. And uh, he said there's a cost to discipleship 
and eternity with Christ, but we have been crucified with Christ. We might say it's a self-surrender as opposed to a literal death, but most importantly, I believe it is an identification publicly with Christ as Savior and Lord, taking up the cross. It is, a, in essence, a decision to say, I will follow, I will live for Christ amid scorn, amidst disdain, amidst humiliation, amidst uh, opposition. It is a public cost for following Christ. It was, the cross was a despised object for us. It's really an object we wear on things. We have those around our neck. We put them on other objects. At that point in time, these hearers saw the cross and understood that it was a despised public object, an object of scorn and shame and rejecting the authority of the government. So we are dead to ourselves, alive with Christ. We are passing through this temporal world. We are part of what God is doing for us, and we understand that there is a public cost for our faith. Take up means we make a decision. Nobody makes that decision for us. We have to make it for ourselves. We have to use it as a decision of our will. So we become identified with Christ, confessing him publicly by our words and our works. One of my professors and the professors of many graduates here, the late Earl Ellis, um, said following Christ can bring, bring rejection from others. Christ, following Christ can lead us to hurt when others reject us. It, uh, it really requires for us an, an idea and an attitude that I am devoted to Christ. That is my first love. That is my greatest commitment. And regardless of all else, personal, public, I am going to be a follower of Christ. This means a faithful Christian witness before societal, governmental opposition and scorn. Many places around the world today, uh, believers making a public commitment to Christ face enormous consequences, even uh, death. It's tremendously challenging in a public sphere here in the United States, often in universities for students and faculty, those who hold to a biblical view of life and eternity, which uh, in brief, as we sang part of this just now, that there is one true and living God who created the heavens and the earth and all things that are in them, the Bible said. He created us, human beings, in his image with great value and purpose and dignity and divine design. Yet we are a fallen people, broken, sinners, separated from God and our relationship to him. And even at that, he has loved us so greatly that he sent his son to redeem and save us. And Jesus came as the incarnate savior, Messiah, became Jesus of Nazareth, fully God, fully man. He lived a sinless life, for us and for the glory of God the Father, he took upon himself this, our sin on the cross and was crucified for us when we could not save ourselves. He conquered death, rose from the dead, and he offers to us eternal life to everyone who believe in him as Savior and Lord. And he is coming again on a glorious day. That's our faith. That's our confession. That's our witness to a with a public cost in the world today, but that is the command for a follower of Jesus. D. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer said a number of great things we can remember about discipleship and following Jesus. One of those was the cross is laid upon every Christian. It begins with an abandonment to the attachments of this world. It is a dying of the old man, which is a result in his encounter with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. You must never doubt, he said, as he learned of his coming execution, that I'm traveling with gratitude and cheerfulness along a road where I'm being led. My past is brimful of God's goodness and my sins have been covered by the forgiving love of Christ. Uh, Charles Colson wrote a book called The Body, and in it he uh, narrates the account of a Soviet major, Mikhailovic, who was a good communist and a good soldier and a good officer. One day, this officer heard a shortwave radio broadcast that changed his life. He heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit touched his life, and the Wednesday after his conversion, he attended the local Communist Party meeting as usual, but he did not speak. The following week, he did not attend. His commanding officer and political officer demanded an explanation. He simply said, I've become a Christian. The officer said to him, you will never say those words again. A special ceremony was called on the parade grounds with the next morning with the dress uniforms, troops, tanks, bleachers full of citizens. He did not know what was happening. His name was called over the loudspeaker and he was called before his commander and a multitude of people to hear the charges against him for religious reasons. His rank and his uniform were torn for him, leaving with clothing, but without his uniform. Two of the soldiers he had once led marched him around the parade ground in public disgrace in front of his wife and his children. That afternoon, the commander handed him a broom and said to him, this is the last time I will ever address you. His duty for the rest of his life was to clean the troops' bathrooms, and it was much worse than that, while he was derided and humiliated. He became a Christian and he endured public humiliation for the rest of his life. But his story goes on. He did not regret his decision. He became a part of a small group of believers who grew and he became a light for Christ and he lived out his life with great joy for Jesus. There is a personal cost, there is a public cost, but finally there is a perpetual cost, perpetual in legal terms is it just keeps going. Something that's in perpetuity is an action that keeps on going. Follow me is that kind of a mandate. It's a continuous action. It's driven, uh, so to speak, by these first two commands in this verse. It's a choice between two ways of life, a life that is temporal and a life that is eternal. It's a hard life, <clears throat> but it's a full life. And it's worth the cost. By now, you can see that this verse is not a difficult verse to understand. It's just a difficult verse to live. So how do we understand following Christ? Because it's worth the cost. Jesus had said in John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there he will be also. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, following Jesus. So 
Following Jesus is living a life like Christ lived, living a life of giving and sacrifice. Uh, We can say it is knowing the truth, speaking the truth. Timothy uh, heard from Paul and and for 2 Timothy 1.13, follow the sound words of faith. Peter makes it clear that Jesus provides us with an example when he says, so that you might follow in his steps. So following is knowing, speaking, and obeying the truth and living a life like Jesus. Uh, Jesus was revealed in the Bible in one way as the good shepherd. Sheep follow the shepherd as we are to follow Jesus. Uh, Many years ago in uh, Guatemala where we were serving, living in a Quiche village, and we were holding a worship service, planting a church in a barn. I was preaching on a passage of Jesus, the good shepherd, And I looked around at everyone there, men, women, boys, and girls. I was the only one there that had never been a shepherd. They had all been shepherds. When I read this account, they knew exactly what it meant. Exactly. I was was the one that was challenged to understand it. Because when you shepherd sheep, the sheep have to depend on you, and they have to follow you without reserve. They follow you because you protect them and care for them. When we follow Jesus, we surrender ourselves completely to him. If you're a ministry leader, many of us are preparing or have been that here. If you want to lead, you need to learn how to follow. You can't lead unless you know how to follow. And the greatest example for a leader that teaches us how to follow is Jesus. Learn from him. Many years ago, uh, while I was an Army officer, I went to Fort Benning Georgia and was training in the Army Infantry Officer School, the Army Infantry School. There's a, an enormous statue from decades ago at Fort Benning. It's a soldier and a full gear, rifle and hand forwarded forward because the motto of the Infantry School is follow me. Now the implications are a bit different uh, for those that were training there, but Uh, For us, we can see that there was sacrifice, there was confidence and trust in following someone, even when our lives might be at stake, and they surely were. Some were wounded, some lost their lives, but follow me was their motto. It's much, much more important for us uh, to follow Jesus because eternity is at stake. So let me just summarize as I close. Jesus challenged a small group of men, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, and he changed the world. He's just looking for followers that are willing to pay the cost. So following, if we've seen it from scripture, is an abandoning of a self-centered life that leaves little room for the things of God. It is unashamedly confessing Jesus as Savior as Lord. It is identifying with Jesus in the face of public scorn. It is a life of sacrifice and service following Jesus' example. It is deciding to live by the grace of God, the most vibrant, powerful, redeeming relationship in the universe. There are true Christ followers all around the world, some who will be martyred. Most are unrecognized. We simply do not know their stories, but they have chosen a way of life to follow Jesus. Most of you know the famous quote from Jim Elliott, Uh, a missionary martyred in 1956. He wrote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's a 
perfect statement on verse 25 in, of Luke, uh, Luke's passage here. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? His wife, Elizabeth Elliot, wrote this. We pray that if any anywhere are fearing the cost of discipleship, that it is too great that they may be given glimpse to glimpse the treasure of heaven promised to all who forsake. Bill Wallace was a Southern Baptist missionary to China. He died in prison there. He was a young man, but a skilled surgeon in the early 1930s when he wrote a letter to the Foreign Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. In it, he wrote, my name is William L. Wallace. I am now serving as a resident in surgery at Knoxville General Hospital, Knoxville, Tennessee. Since my senior year in high school, I have felt God would have me to be a medical missionary. And to that end, I've been preparing myself, and he described his medical training. I am not sure what you desire by way of information, but I am single, 26 years old, and I'm a member of Broadway Baptist Church. My mother died when I was 11. My father, also a physician, passed two years ago. There are only two of us. My sister, Ruth Lynn, is planning marriage. I must confess I'm not a good speaker, nor am apt as a teacher. But I do feel God could use my training as a physician. As humbly as I know how, I want to volunteer to serve as a medical missionary under the Southern Baptist Foreign Mission Board. Just before he sent that letter, the hospital in China uh, and the China Mission, Stout Memorial Hospital in Wuchow, China, and the China Mission had desperately pleaded and sent a letter asking for another missionary doctor. Bill Wallace was that doctor. He arrived at the hospital in China, served there having a tremendous impact for Christ. And in the communist takeover, he was in prison with an opportunity to leave. He stayed and died in prison. In the biography of his life, the last two chapters are entitled, one chapter is entitled, For Me to Live as Christ, and the other one is To Die as Gain. If anyone loses his life for my sake, he will save it. Bill Wallace had decided to follow Jesus and never turn back. So there is a cost to being a Christ follower. There is a personal cost. There is a public cost. And we could say there's a perpetual cost. But it is worth it. And this is not a decision that we can drop out of. This is not a decision that we can turn away from. This is not a decision that we can turn back from. We are in this until the end. There's a, a song, you're probably well aware of it and have sung it for many years back, that uh, illustrates really what following Jesus means here in this last part of this passage. It is, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Almighty God, we thank you that Jesus has come and he's coming again. We thank you for calling us to be your followers and we commit ourselves to following you until the end. May you be exalted, 
in all the earth. And for your glory, the gospel be proclaimed to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen.